Welcome to Studio Within Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm the founder of With Sarah Wellbeing Platform and a professional model. After a decade-long career working with incredible designers and clients in the fashion world's capitals, I turned into a passionate positive psychology practitioner. My experience has made it clear that happiness does not come from fame, money, and thousands of followers on Instagram. It comes from within. In this podcast, we will talk about what it means to be authentic. We'll share success moments and setback stories. We'll also discover how positive psychology tools can help you thrive. I'll share some practical steps so that you can put the signs of well-being into action in your life. Sometimes it's just me chatting with you like this, and at times I'll bring in guests who really inspire me, both from the worlds of high fashion and positive psychology. I hope that my show will leave you energized and inspired to own your own story, create the life you want to live, and have some fun while creating it. Let's get thriving, shall we? Hello again. And I'm still recording from my forest office. I am so happy to be here. And I hope you can feel the foresty vibe somehow through your headphones as well. Okay, this I'm super excited about this episode, actually. This is a very, very, very close topic to me. Topic that's close to my heart is probably the, the right English way to put it. <laughs> so how to have more constructive conversations. Um, let me tell you the reason why I landed this topic. This summer I've spent, um, or this past summer, I've spent lots of time with old friends and family members. I've truly embraced the meaningful conversations by the peer and moments of reconnection with my family and friends. Um, but before that, actually, I want to say something else. There is something I'm also celebrating at the moment, and I really wanted to take this opportunity to share it with you. A year ago, when lockdowns all over the world started, I started my journey to become a certified professional coach. I had been thinking about it for a while. I had already given a few workshops and started to form an idea of what my platform with Sarah really was all about. But I always felt like something was missing. I had had a few mentoring calls with talents who my agent was um, kind of putting me together with. Um, These talents were in the beginning of their careers as models and they were seeking support. And I realized how much I enjoyed this one-on-one space for their intimacy, deeper connection, and very personalized experience. So as the lockdown started, and I had to be very still in one country, I followed my heart, and I got a spot on this coaching school that I was hungry to join. And now I can say that after 200 hours of training, over 100 hours of coaching, and successfully mastered oral exam, I am finally Certified Professional Coactive Coach. <laughs> I am super, super happy and I'm especially thankful for my first clients who trusted me in my early days before I was certified. And I feel like um, this coaching certification program was truly the gift of COVID to me. Pre-COVID, when my travel schedule was crazy, I could have never, ever committed to something like this. So... I am so excited for this new one-on-one service that I'm able to provide and help people feel better, do better, find their inner glow and find their purpose and meaning in their lives. 
Um, and the reason I wanted to share this news with is that um, you will definitely hear more about what coaching is. Because coaching is transformative way to have conversations with people. Coaching is a is just powerful. It's so powerful. And we'll talk a little more in depth um, about it and what it really is and what it requires from clients and, and what kind of conversations those are in the upcoming episodes. But um, already in short, uh, I just want to say that what coaching is in a very uh, simple, uh, simply put, is a thought-provoking partnership that promotes self-awareness and forward movement. So in a coaching relationship, there usually is a client and a coach and uh, the client has an agenda and uh, as a coach, I help the client fulfill their agenda, okay? So um, it's about helping clients to become aware of their values and wants and goals and even bigger things like life purpose so that they can have more meaning uh, in their lives. And the, the, the reason coaching works and there's more and more research being done in the coaching uh, circles uh, is because it helps and even provokes clients to find their own resources. So it's not about telling advice. This is super important to know about a, a professional coaching relationship. It's not consulting. It's not mentoring. Coaching is completely different type of service. And that's why it is powerful. But that's all I'm going to say about coaching. I could go on and on. I'm very passionate about that. Um, that world. Um, and if you'd like to check my coaching offerings and, and how I work and more information about it, if you can't wait for the episodes on coaching, you can head to witsar.com slash coaching. Um, there I have more information on that. And since we are talking about coaching, uh, coaching, not coaching conversations, but constructive conversations, coaching uh, obviously is worth mentioning because it is all about having powerful conversations that can transform people's lives. So let's dive into this episode fully now. Um, there are three reasons why I wanted to talk about constructive conversations and give you tips on how you can build better conversations, especially with people who you're very close to. So three reasons. Number one is that deep, meaningful conversation is what I live for. I don't know if there's anything better than talking about the deep stuff. <laughs> and I think me and my two best friends actually have even this thing... <laughs> I, I'm thinking about them when I'm saying it. It's like, hey, girls, let's get together. Let's eat candies and talk about the deep stuff. We literally say things like this. I'll bring this bag of candies and uh, then we're going to go deep and talk about this deep stuff. So it's really a concept for us. We don't necessarily, you know, stay on the surface. We always go very deep, very fast. The second reason why I wanted to bring this topic here is that we know this. Relationships are the essence of human thriving relationships and communication within them is crucial if we want to have good relationships. Without communication, we are lost in our relationships. We all have different ideas on how things should be and how they are. And in order for us to have thriving relationships, we need to be able to communicate constructively what we need to make things work in this relationship. And the third reason we're talking about this today is since I've spent two months in Finland, I've reconnected with my family and my best friends, whom I haven't seen in nearly in two years. And I've totally noticed, especially with family, that having constructive conversations is sometimes 
the hardest thing to do. <laughs> and I'm laughing because I don't think I'm the only one. Do you feel this with me? You know, when you're sitting at a dinner table and you think we're going to have the most amazing dinner because we're going to have these beautiful, uh, flourishing conversations and it does not go that way. <laughs> um, so I've noticed a couple of things this summer. Um, so I wanted to offer some ideas on how you can have more constructive conversations in your life, especially with your closest tribe. And when I talk about closest tribe, I really mean the people you really want to keep in your life. The ones you love the most, the ones that are almost the, the people that you love unconditionally. These are the closest tribe members that I'm talking about. And uh, before I'm starting to offer um, these three ideas, um, I want you to know that I'm not the model child for this. Trust me. Um, I've noticed what type of patterns in conversations trigger me the most. So naturally, some of these are based on my own experience and therefore they're also subjective. Um, but the tips that I will provide are also skills that everybody can learn. And some ideas, actually most of the ideas that are coming are from the world of coaching and positive psychology, combined with some examples from my own life. So I'm living this work um, because I think this work can change lives and conversations. Um, and therefore, um, I hope you will have more constructive conversations not necessarily even deeper conversations, but really we're talking about constructive conversations here. So I hope that um, by the end of this episode, you will be, you know what to do in your next conversation when you feel triggered. Okay, number one, be curious first, then share your opinion. Curiosity is one of the great secrets of happiness. Indeed, if you look at the Via character strengths, I've mentioned them a couple of times, Curiosity is one of the strengths most highly correlated with life satisfaction based on research. And as you may know, life satisfaction is one measurement of happiness. Curiosity is so beautiful because it drives exploration and it invites us to question and ponder and, and be surprised by things. Um, and curiosity turns out to be one of the elements in conversation that is so necessary to have if we want to have non-judgmental conversations with our loved ones. In other words, judging and making assumptions on what has been said is very easy. Think about it. Uh, so you mean you don't like me because you said that? Oh, okay, so you're saying that because da-da-da-da. It's so easy to jump into conclusions based on what is being said. So in situations like this, curiosity is super important because we all have different assumptions and opinions on certain things. But what if we can add curiosity into those moments rather than judging, jumping into conclusions? Adding curiosity and respect can be a huge benefit in having a more constructive outcome of the conversation or um, heated discussion that's on the table. So what does this mean in practice? What does it mean to be curious in practice? To be truly curious requires one important skill, and it's this deep listening. It is not possible for you to ask questions and be curious about what the person brings into the conversation if you're not listening. Listening means that we try to turn, uh, the listening that I'm talking about here really means that we try to turn off our own, you know, thinking, you know, someone saying something to me like, you know, Sarah, I don't think you... I don't think you should be uh, doing the podcast because it sucks, okay? 
<laughs> no one has said this to me, but let's let's just pretend I'm just bringing something here. Someone says that to me, and I go, "Why the like? Why why the fuck would you say something like this? Why? You know what makes you say like this? This is this is so wrong. What you're saying? How can you say something like this? Now this is triggered. This is total judgmental. I mean, someone was rather rude, but what if I turn my curiosity alert on in this type of thing? What do I say? I could say, what makes you say that? What makes you think that my podcast is so bad? Why does it suck? Tell me more. You see the tone, right? It's about being open to hear where does one's opinion come from? I think that's how I like to think about it. This usually what I've noticed uh, with some family members when I introduce that kind of way of thinking, it brings more uh, harmony into that conversation. It brings more um, not so threatened or triggered mood. It brings this, hey, let's talk about this. Curiosity can be very powerful because there's always a reason why someone says something, right? Very often, it's also not necessarily about you. It's about the person's preferences, right? In your next conversation with a close friend or a family member, what if you really think like from a child's I think we always this uh, metaphor of a child is being used when you talk about curiosity because you know this uh, this moment in child lives when they ask everything why is the world round why is this and that how can we bring this kind of a childlike curiosity into your next conversation with someone that you care about okay the second thing how can you have more constructive conversations avoid or even ban the words never and always. This is a good one, but a hard one. So Dr. John Gottman has studied relationships for decades. His work is really, really interesting. And I will leave his website on the show notes so you can see what he's up to more on his website. I think it's Gottman Institute. Now, his research has in particular focused on marriages. Um, He has found that there are several ways to argue about a disagreement that are really, really damaging for the relationships. And he calls these the four horsemen. And they are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. We are not going through all of them now, but uh, I really highly recommend to read more about them. They are so good and so important for all of us to to hear, even if you're not married um, in every relationship. I think these really work in every relationship. Uh, We are not going through all of them now, but I'd like to mention one of them now which is criticism. Criticism is very brutal for relationships health. Criticism can sound like, why you never unload the dishwasher? What is your problem? I told you hundreds of times to buy tooth floss. Why can't you remember anything? You never care about my blah, 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 blah. Sounds harsh, right? So criticism is often defined as global phenomena, and it usually expresses negative feelings about someone's personality, right? You know, what is your problem? Why can't you remember anything? And complaint, on the other hand, uh, just to get these terms right, um, based on John Gottman's work, complaint, on the other hand, is usually more specific to an event and it's not global. For example, complaint, I'm really annoyed that you didn't unload the dishwasher this morning. Could you please do it tomorrow morning? Whereas on the earlier example of criticism, it's why you never unload the dishwasher. What is your problem? You see the difference, right? 
complaint is more specific, criticism is more global and, and, and blames the person's personality. So the word we choose matter in conversations. I think that's bottom line. It The words really matter. And um, in conversations, but especially also in arguments, you can think about how you were in your last argument. I have been definitely using the words always, a lot, especially in moments when I'm really triggered. Okay. And I think this is just human nature, right? And it has made a huge difference in the way I argue with people, especially with the closest ones, when I've left the word always and they're never away. And I've noticed that sometimes when I say it nowadays, like you never do this, I'm like, sorry, actually, I don't mean never. So I, I have I have really intentionally started catching myself saying never and always because I really dislike those words. And it seems like John Gottman's research is also supporting this when we can ban uh, uh, these global like never and always words, our arguments can become more constructive. So it is really about finding solutions to tricky situation rather than blaming or criticizing someone. And especially blaming and criticizing in a way that you use the words always and never. So next time you're arguing with someone you love, how about paying attention to the words you choose? Banning always, never, and getting more specific about something that bothers you, really clearly defining what is it that makes you feel frustrated about someone's actions and someone's sayings. Get really specific about the problem and look for solutions. I tell you, it's easier said than done. Um, but as our mind is a muscle, we know that the more we repeat the behavior that we want to see, the more we can see it and the easier it gets. So it is about changing habits again, bringing out habits that serve you better, serve your conversations better. And one is to really get specific rather than use the words never and always. Now, the last one, and I think the most magical one. How can you have more constructive conversations? Number three, acknowledge your people for what you see in them. Often we think about how amazing our friends are. You know this. Wow, what beautiful qualities you see in them. Your friends are so trustworthy. Your mother is so caring. Your father is so supportive. Your siblings are so entertaining. And at least in the culture where I come from, Finnish culture, it is not very common to compliment each other, even though there was a real reason for doing so. We don't, it doesn't come naturally for us to say things that we see, the good things that we see in people. It's much easier to say what's bothering us and what should be fixed rather than seeing and saying something that we see in a very positive way in that person. And I truly think that acknowledging someone for what good you see in them is one beautiful gift you can give to them. Seriously. Um, you know, when I talk about often how as human beings, everybody around you, especially in the closest tribe, everybody has this need to be seen and heard. I don't know anything that makes someone feel as seen and heard than acknowledging them for what qualities that you see in them. During my coaching training, we did these um, different types of exercises. And I can tell you that when we are actually practicing the skill of acknowledgement, it's actually a skill. 
Yes, it is a skill which you can learn. Um, I can tell you when we practice the skill, people get really emotional when they hear words that people see in them. There's something so empowering to hear people acknowledge you for what they see and say it out loud. It's really touching. And in my opinion, we need to do this more for the closest people in our lives. How can they know how much you appreciate them or what you see in them if you don't communicate it? And I don't mean to do it all the time to the point where it gets fake. No, or, you know, after all, I'm all about authenticity and realness. And, and I would like to say that please acknowledge people in an authentic way. Don't acknowledge them just for the sake of acknowledging. You have to see it. And when you see it, say it. But don't try to make it up if you want to just make someone feel good. I think that's not right. And that's not fair. So your words might really make a difference in someone's life. And they can build this beautiful connection and trust in relationships. Which can then help you also have more constructive conversations. Right? When there's trust, there's openness. There's openness to express how I feel when I trust you. So acknowledgement to me is about building that safety net. Hey, this person sees me. So this probably means I can trust this person because we are able to communicate in an open way. And when we are able to do that, we can also take that as an advantage when we also need to argue, right? There's that almost like I'm, I'm holding my hands in front of me. It's like, I guess I'm meaning that this is kind of a, a very con- like a concrete ground which we are building with acknowledging each other, because when we have a very sound, um, very sound ground, we can rely on it, even though things are hard. So acknowledge your people for what you see in them. This skill is so worth testing, um, and it really can be very simple. I see how trustworthy you are, and I really appreciate it. I see this immense energy in you, and it makes me feel alive when I'm with you. This is acknowledging. Acknowledging is really just what you see, what you witness. So I bet you will have um, some really beautiful moments when you use that skill and practice that skill, even though first it might feel a little bit weird, um, but test it and see how you go. All right. So some tips and thoughts on how you can have more constructive conversations and potentially arguments with the people in your life. Be curious, ban always and never, and get really specific. And finally, acknowledge the people you love for what you see in them and say it out loud. Finally, I'd also like to say that, you know, people want you to be present. My coach colleague has this um, saying that um, people want you to be more present than they want you to be perfect. And I just love that. I think it's a beautiful way to put it that also in our conversations with our loved ones, they want you to be present. And, um, And personally, I like to say that the biggest gift you can give to someone is to be present. In order to be present, we've got to listen, we can acknowledge, and we can really use these powerful ways in being in communication and communicate in a way that can build our relationship and help them thrive. So I think uh, what I want to ask you is, to whom 
will you give the gift of being present next? Until next time, stay thriving and stay present. Thank you for joining me today in Studio Within. Head over to witsar.com slash podcast for all the show notes from today's episode. You can also find more information about me and what I do on witsar.com. It means the world to me that you've taken your precious time today and listened to this episode of Studio Within. So, how about we make most out of this? My question to you is, how can you turn an insight you had from today's episode into an action that you can put right into practice in your life today?